Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions Hawaii podcast where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm John Yamasato, your host, and joining me today is Mr. Kyle Shimabukuro. How's it? Devin Nicoba. Howdy. And Mr. Kuana Torres Kahele. Aloha. Kuana, thank you so much for being here. We're going to be introducing him in a second, but before we begin, let me remind the listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the podcast. There is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, it's funny. I still can't do it by memory. I, have to I know. You have to close your eyes so you can concentrate on saying it. It's okay. All at High Sessions. <laughs> then you can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to listen to the podcast. And you can go to High Sessions at Yahoo.com to email us if you have any questions or anything. Finally, if you would like to help the show get more music on the channel, go to Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and donate. There you'll get more involved with the show and help determine who and what is filmed. I'd like to thank our one sponsor, Kupu Kupu Landscaping, Yay. Mr. Kevin, who came in last week for the podcast. It was a good podcast. I actually had someone call me and ask about, hey, is, are they really good or what? Yeah, so that's good. So it, it actually is working to uh, support the show. Uh, you can find Devin on Kumu 94.7. You can go to highlife808.com to see all of Kyle's uh, designs and his t-shirts. And you are coming out with a special edition Colt Brennan t-shirt right yes and uh, it should be announced soon on how to grab those um proceeds will go to the family yeah i was gonna yes, say yeah. i'm sure that there's some donations yeah somewhere yeah in yeah that. we've been working with the um the sisters oh okay that's great okay yeah. okay so uh check it out there at highlife808.com also where can we find you on highlifer right on instagram yeah you're gonna make the announcement there too i'd assume right yes okay so um find them all there all right so now we turn to Mr. Kuana Torres Kahele, who is a multi-Hoku award winner, both as an individual with the band Napalapalai and just a ridiculously talented singer, songwriter, hula, kumu hula, uh, artist. You do it all a little bit. Not all, but but, but a lot. Yeah. So um, let's start with, uh, I, I know you're from the Big Island. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, and um, how you got into music? Your family is a musical family. Yeah, both sides, my, my mom and my dad's side families. Uh, plenty of musicians, plenty of singers, play, uh, many hakumeles on both sides, which is um, composers. Famous ones too, lesser known ones, but I guess you could say it's in the genes in terms of what I do today. I literally am following in their footsteps what I do through music, hula, mea Hawaii, just art stuff or whatever, cultural kind of stuff. It came from all of them. And I never did go school for music. Wow. I learned how to play by ear. And that transcends into today because today I still get plenty of I know plenty of kind of stuff, but I don't know the name of the card. Eh? So whenever <laughs> I go play with my friends, when I sell some kind of concert and they go ask me, what card is that? I go, <laughs> I just showed it. I just showed it my hand. Um, but yeah, I still play by ear. Wow! And it's just how I learned how to play. I I literally was raised old style in Hawaiian music, where you just gotta watch. monkey see monkey see monkey yeah. do kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a little bit more difficult for Hawaiian music because in Hawaiian culture. You know, back then, when the Ohana stay, Paina play music and all that kind of stuff, 
when it's adult time, it's adult time. Kids are not to be heard and not to be seen. Uh-huh. So we don't can be there when they mm-hmm. when they enjoying it and playing music and doing whatever they're doing. But that's when the best music was coming out. Where so were you then? I was inside the house. I don't mm. come outside. Eh? Oh, but we, you, you couldn't hear anything. No, then. I could hear. So if, for example, if there was outside there singing, uh-huh. I not can be seen and we not can be heard. If not, we get leakings. Mm-hmm. So we had to, I would go by the other door, window, or by the screen and I just listen. And That's watch how them from over there. Wow. What, what was the reason for that though? Because kids noisier and always, <laughs> and always, bothering and asking too many questions oh. and the, the adults no can have good time if the kids are around so adult time is adult time hmm. kids cannot be there so I, I used to just watch from far or if I was lucky my mom, if my mama was outside then she called me I get for sit by her and then nobody mm. can say nothing <laughs> and then I, yeah. I just stay there and watch but that's how it kind of started with me and then whenever we used to go Around the island to family parties, whether Kohala or Kau or Waimea, wherever we go, always back then, always had somebody at that party that could sing. Not your everyday kind, regular kind of sing, like could mm-hmm. could well when Kumpo, they sing. Yeah. Some kind of uncle or some tutu or some auntie is over there and they're just going, and I used to be like, wow. And I just, everywhere, all the kids there around playing and creating mayhem problem yeah mayhem. <laughs> uh, i would be inside watching the music i was drawn to it from back then and then i just copy i listen i copy and when i come home and then my great-grandfather gave me my first ukulele mm-hmm. not personally it went from him to my grandma and then my grandma to me mm. and that was my first instrument and then i tried to play she gave me a little pamphlet book one old one from the seventies, and that's why how I learned all the the regular kind, you know, standard kind C, F, G seven. But back then, I only know my C, second C, F, second <laughs> F, and all that. Kind. It's how they still miss right. Yeah, back yeah. then. And so I learned all the simple stuff, and then when I started to really get into playing and singing at the same time, when I would go try and go to copy everybody every time the adults noticed i was watching and trying to follow them they would hide their hand really yeah. even even within yeah wow and they would tell me you learn the same way we learn holo oh, mm. interesting. so every time and i used to think to myself oh what a kind eh? <laughs> oh, mean <laughs> just plain mean but you know, it had it be- it had its benefits. I did end up learning the same way they did, which is by ear. And I would go inside the room, and then I remember the sound of whatever they was playing. So I fought around with the ukulele until I find them. Mm. Wow! And mm. so I would match up sounds back then. So they probably learned that way because their parents didn't let them watch themselves play music back then. Too, yeah, it's it's hereditary. Yeah. That whole process. But how then you, you raise but is then how you, you f- raise your kids sometimes. Mm, yeah, mm. but then when you figure it out on your own, you you know you know how to do it. Yeah, right. But it's, a, it's a different time too. Yeah, no more all this kind of smart kind iPads, my smart <laughs> yeah. devices. Your your brain was on sponge, easy for remember back then. Mm. You hear one thing, you see one thing, that thing pa in your head, you never forget. 
So music was like that for me. It was easy for remember. I hear one song on the radio, Pa'a. I hear a, something on the record. I know the words one time after listening. Wow. And um, the same thing was with music. If my family was playing, I remember the sound of what the song they was playing. And Hawaiian music, easier. Only sometimes only get three mm. chord, four chord, five chord. Yeah. Especially back then when you play with the kupunas, they everything real simple. No more, no more fancy, fancy kind. Of yeah, 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 yeah. So it was really simplistic and not too hard to replicate. So how old were you before they moved you out there and you could actually play? I mean, at what age do they say, okay, get out of the house? You can, yeah, yeah, you can, you can leave the house. house. Never, well, we never had. You know, it wasn't something that was said. Like I said, I mentioned that get plenty. Of people in my family that play music and sing but I think only a very small percent maybe two or three were out entertaining performing mm. performing um, on a much you know for professional yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. whereas the rest would you would only see them at backyard, backyard luau that kind of stuff but so. the talent in your family right must have been just crazy you see they going how come you not Enough. You must have had family members that could have been yeah. entertainers for, like, for a living, you know. Once in a while, I go home and I used to talk to some of my cousins or my aunties and some of my uncles, and I would tell them, "Oh, you remember Auntie So and So or Uncle Uncle Smitty folks and whatever." Oh, you can imagine if they were on record. Oh, you can imagine <laughs> they did. nobody sing like that. Nobody play like this. Nobody sing like this anymore. Well, I had plenty of those in my family. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, what made you get that push to become a musician, a professional musician, and travel and stuff, and play? The bug, where the bug came from. Yeah, I was so way before I even got the interest into copying my family when I was seeing them do backyard stuff. I must have been like three or four years old. There was a luau in Hilo at this place called Wailoa, and I remember get when we arrived there as soon as i arrived there and i saw all the kids playing so i just went straight over there and go play with the kids my, mm-hmm. my grandmother folks went inside the luau house and then we just playing and i remember as i was playing with whoever i was playing with i remember somebody singing hi it was really really high the voice and when catch my ear and i go inside the luau house to look for my mother my grandmother and then i found her i go sit between her legs and i just remember staring up at the stage and whoever that was singing i just sat there and that's all mm. the memory i get mm. fast forward eight ten years sitting sitting down in the living room talking to my grandma and i just went randomly i go hey ma you remember i don't know what year it was i have this memory so i shared the exact same memory with her yeah as i'm explaining to her she started to cry and so i said take it to myself oh what i said and i said i still started to forget because i don't like seeing my grandmother cry mm. And then it took her a while to be able to talk because she was all kaumaha. And then when she went um, reply, she said, I thought you was too young for remember. That was my dad. Mm. Oh, wow. So wow. that was my great-grandfather, William Kahele. And all I remember, I just remember that moment. And whatever, I never know it was called falsetto. I never know what he was doing. I never know if it was even Hawaiian music. I just remember what that was somebody screaming high, and I wanted to do the same thing. <laughs> I just wanted to do the same thing. 
And ever since then, I would copy. And when I would go on the radio, I mean, when we stay home and I listen to the radio, all the kind, cut the rug kind music come out. And once in a while, I would get a Hawaiian song. And I would, and I would, I would copy, sing, hi, I just follow, follow, follow. And my grandmother knew that that's the road I started. Yeah, so yeah, she yeah, encultured yeah. that. She oh. literally encultured that. But she never knew I remembered that. So, so Kwana, I look at you as a... Um, as a source of information or, or an expert uh, to, I don't know what, how to say a better word, but, you know, in Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian history. And, and um, so maybe you can educate, because I can't remember, but how does the Hawaiian falsetto come into play in Hawaii? That, that style of singing. Was it, was it, because, um, I, I, you know, you hear the stories about the Paniolos bringing the, or the Spanish mm-hmm. bringing the guitar. But was it already there or was it that part of a singing style that even started before then? No. Falsetto, it's in the word, eh? falsetto. So it's, when you translate falsetto, it's men imitating women. Eh? Mm-hmm. So you had, when Hawaiian music was born in Hawaii at the turn of the 18th century, 19th century, um, when it started to get more popular, especially when Waikiki started to mm-hmm. rise, then you had, a whole bunch of women singing and doing their thing. There was a lot. And then you had men. Yeah. And um, over the years, the men started to copy the wahine and developed a particular falsetto style called uh, leo kie And then the thing about when men would imitate the women... Oftentimes, they couldn't hold mm-hmm. the high-pitched notes like wahine. So then this other, this other thing was developed called ha'i. And then we have now today the leo ha'i ha'i, which is a particular style of falsetto that um, where you get the breaking in the voices, yeah, like, yeah. like yodeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So they took that. Not as a mistake because they couldn't hold it up, but they would actually culture that and make it into a thing. Mm. So the kane, the man, was the one who came up with that particular style. And then so once that once that started to become a thing, then the women started for copying the men. So it's huh. kind of mm-hmm. a funny thing because here we are copying you and you copying us. So now when they, you. when the women are copying the men, is that considered falsetto for women? Yeah. Well, today, yeah, because. Here in Hawaii, we consider that falsetto to be a Hawaiian style rather than take the word for what it means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they say the falsetto stylings, it's just a local style here in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But if you were to actually just translate the word, word, then yeah, it wouldn't apply to women, yeah, because it's for men. The word is for men. Mm. Oh, I see. But you could easily escape that by just going with the Hawaiian words, yeah, the leo mm. kiikie or the leo hai hai. Leo kiikie. The difference between the two, one is just falsetto, and the other one is a falsetto that utilizes the breaking in the voice, that that yodo style mm. in the voice. Huh. Is there uh, the breath control must be incredible on that, right? You in order to um, sing the Ha'i style, you got to equally match your falsetto range with your chest range. Yeah. Because that's the ability. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's the ability of Ha'i to, to, 
it's a it's a clear break in your voice going from point A to point B. And there there are some musicians out there, singers that um, have a different type of hai where they're going like from point A to point D. <laughs> you're not really sure where you're gonna land, but. Um, yeah, typically with the Hai style, it's a clear break from one note to another note, and mm-hmm. then the ability to go back and forth between the two notes. Yeah. So your your ability to do that, you would have to have really good breath control, mm-hmm. chest voice control, mm-hmm. and falsetto control, so that we you can take one note, put them there, bring them back, put them there, and, and all at the same level. Like you don't. Yeah. Hear yeah. And that. the higher you go, the more breath it takes. Mm. So that the muscles can hold that, and the, the higher you go, the louder it would get. Because again, you gotta use your chest. Yeah. Well, yeah. How do you learn to? How do you learn to do that? You, there's not falsetto instructors out there. <laughs> yeah, I know. No. And, and your family's going. You know, it's not like they can turn away from you while they sing. So. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's hard. It's hard to teach Hai style because, um, it's it's one of those things that. Where you either got it or you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when you sing, I, I do teach voice and um, a lot of which I do falsetto stuff inside too. And the hai. And it, I ask the students what you like to learn, what you're looking mm-hmm. to do. And they, I say, give me a song, for example. And so they tell me a song. I'm like, okay, well, we could try it. Let's see. And then um, they usually come to me with some ability mm-hmm. to sing. So I just listen to them and see what. And, uh, uh, try to s- determine if they have a hai or not, and then I'll give them suggestions of things to listen to, and then I just tell them, go listen to this stuff and go home and go and try to sing along with that, um, and then come see me again the next class, and then when if they come back and not really get on hai, then then they're just more on the little ki- ki- side, mm. which is not a bad thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, if I can hear. A little bit of a break in there, then get chance for high style. Mm. John, you think you get high style? I definitely do not. <laughs> don't? I don't have a falsetto at all. Oh yeah, really? I mean, I, I do, but it's so soft. Like I, uh, it's, it's terrible. So when I hear guys like Kwana, I'm like, man, this is amazing. To yeah, the, yeah, the breath control will be able to push that. Yeah. That out because uh, doing singing falsetto, like hearing Earth, Wind, and Fire, hearing you sing it is one thing, but then trying to emulate it is a whole different deal. And once you start trying, you go, oh yeah, I can't do that. Did you guys <laughs> sing um, Earth, Wind, and Fire and stuff like that too in your household? Like that was really yeah, My father, he like rocked the old yeah, yeah, rock. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we hear all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. We clean house. We're like, ah, we just <laughs> clean to that kind of music. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we totally listen to that kind of stuff. But when come time for party, only Hawaiian music oh. because that's the only kind of music in the family that make the leg shake <laughs> make the hand grab the can yeah, the yeah. Only, and then you suddenly get up you know dancehula but they dancehula they make any kind <laughs> yeah, yeah. but that's the only kind of music that does it for Hawaiian so that's all that's they like awesome. yeah. at wow. the, and then at the end of the night then they like the cut the rug kind of music eh, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So, but, so by that time everybody deaf <laughs> <laughs> So what led you into into the hula? Like when did you start doing learning hula? So I I started with music, mm-hmm. all the way through school, and um, when I got to the year I was 
going into high school, um, I ended up enrolling in hula with Johnny Lamho, Halaukawa Kanelehua in Hilo. Yeah. And then so I started to dance hula. Me and a bunch of my friends went go. They're like, yeah, yeah, we go. And then my, my grandmother really um, encouraged, encouraged yeah. me to go. And so I went and I danced hula for a bunch of years, got really good at it. And then one day Johnny heard me sing mm. and he found out that I could sing like them. And then she, he pulled me off the line. Oh. And he started to, he asked me if I wanted to sing. I said, yes. And then so my hours at hula and my, my days at hula kind of tripled. Where I was going hula only once a week, I started going hula four or five times a week. Mostly playing music now than dancing. Doing both, actually. Doing both. Oh, wow. but, but I would say with emphasis on music. Mm. But um, I, from that point on, I was singing, dancing, singing, dancing. Because um, we used to do a lot of hula shows back then. Mm. And Uncle Johnny well, I would, was... I, a, I would think you'd be like, even be- it would be, if you knew the dance, plus you could sing the song. It's like you're a double, double threat, you know, like you can do <laughs> either kind of thing. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so um, I used to go down... To the halal every time, and I never knew what to expect and whether he gonna drill me with music or drill me with hula. It was really up to him, but I would spend pretty much the majority of my week at halal learning songs that he had just composed. Learning, he would teach me how to harmonize, and not just the everyday harmony, a very particular mm. um, hilo style of harmony that is very um, known with Uncle Johnny's style and so that's how I ended up with Hula and you know when when you join Halau Hula opens doors and sets you on paths you never intended Mm. to embark on and so things open and I followed the road and it took me here and I went there and and through that I'm so thankful that I met so much musicians old musicians that um no longer here but i got the chance to sing with get corrected from get yells mm. at um, <laughs> from but more importantly i got to share the stage with them and learn from them so all of that really factored factored into who i am today and if i fast forward up um into my adult life when i started to go out and perform um i thought it would be neat that you know they i'm singing my own compositions mm-hmm. so wouldn't it be better if they just learn the hula of my own composition mm-hmm. from the composer yeah because yeah. i would often tell i would do workshops and tell people for music i say if you guys ever get the chance if the composer is still alive go talk to them because you'll never know 100% yeah, yeah, of the yeah. manao unless mm. you talk to them. Mm. And what better way person to learn from than for the hula than from them if they offer, yeah? Mm. yeah. So go. And then come to find out several of my aunts and uncles used to do that too. They had one little hula studio mm. here and there. They were composers and they would teach their own stuff. So I was like, oh. And I never know that <laughs> until, my, until I got older. So I was like, shucks, I'm doing the same thing as them. I literally... 
on the same path. So it's kind of funny how you could wanna just push you where you need mm. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never intended. I never ever saw myself teaching and being on Kumo, but here I am. <laughs> and you go all over the world. And I teach. go all over. So how has it been? Uh, sorry to jump around, but I know you were. You have a halal in Japan. Do you have you have one here as well? I had in Kauai. Okay, okay. Um, for several years. Um, I have it in Asia and I have it in the mainland too. I couldn't mm. maintain all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, after a while, I ended up closing the Kauai one only so that I'd be able to do all the traveling ones. Yeah. And so how does how's that been affected over the last year then? Have you been able to get up there? Or did you do you know, Zoom, Zoom or? is pretty uh, much the new norm, yeah? I mean, wow. we're limited to what we have, which isn't much. And yeah. we got to make the best of it. And um, I was reluctant at first to jump on there and teach and do my things over there because, you know, it's all about connectivity. Sure. Physical connectivity, especially with um, hula and mele. You know, mm-hmm. you know that m- exchange of mana and they, the music the coming to them and all that kind of stuff. So it was really... St- difficult at first when I when f- teach myself how to use the stuff and then when they actually came to the teaching part uh, I had to teach myself not to do what I normally do when I'm teaching hula well, because of the distance because of the the situation where we're teaching online uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and they're not there yet yeah, 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 I'm, mm-hmm. I'm used to being there Watching each and every one of you fixing things as we go, looking at everybody, and you cannot do that. Mm-hmm. What what a kumuhula would normally do in halal when they're teaching, none of that applies when you're on Zoom. You cannot do that. There's yeah. no way to manage all of that, um, especially if you get more than thirty students online at once. Yeah, yeah. How are you supposed to watch all that and sync them up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot. So, I took it as all my halal endeavors i just took it as i treated it as a workshop and instead of teaching them i looked at it as teaching the camera i'll just mm. teach the camera and i'll be fine if i don't look at them i'm fine just teach the camera <laughs> and it was good it worked yeah and, and um i can do that and i just treat it as such um until i can get back over there and actually mm. teach them but um it, it has its perks though because um you know, Zoom is something... I don't think Zoom will ever go away. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it is, it's something that we like to keep doing yeah. Yeah, even yeah, sure. after we can travel. Because there's some places we know can go and we can offer online stuff for people. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's used to using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Got a whole year to practice. Yeah, right? it, was a, yeah. It, was a, it was a quick learning curve. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, are there any... Um, do you see any on the horizon opportunities to start going places? And I know that um, other bands have started to book gigs on the mainland. And I don't know about any Japan stuff yet. Come but back to Japan. Right yeah, kind of Japan. Huh? Kind of yeah. Japan, yeah. right? Yeah, Japan's but, closest one. But um, anything on the horizon that's looking looking like there's a light at the end of the tunnel? Um, In terms of traveling? Yeah, traveling and playing. I'm and going to the mainland um, okay. in at the end of July. It's my first travel gig for since the year yeah, yeah, since, yeah. It, since it all started is it a hula festival or something like that? no um, it's uh, I'm 
starting to jump back into what I used to do. So what I used to do <clears throat> was go around the world and I would offer workshops. So I would teach three or four awana, hula mm. awana, mm. a couple of kahiko, and tie it all into a show at the end. I see. Yeah. Wow. And with a little performance at the end. So cool. I would go around doing that uh, every other month. Couple cities every month. Every yeah, other get month. Miles, so, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that was my life yeah. before all this thing happened. I was doing it for about seven years. I was gonna say, it, was it kind of in a way a nice little break because you didn't have to get on the plane? It for was, a while. you know. Yeah. I mean, it was spooky at first, but once we it sunk in and we just stayed home. I was like, oh, this is kind of nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the year, like, holy fatness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you did you end up being more creative and writing more music while I you did. were at home? I did. I did. I was able to create that album over there. Nice through the pandemic. And uh, cool, man. This None thing has sixteen tracks on it. People put out CDs now, only get like 10 I know. Songs. I know. Oh, everybody <laughs> lazy is why. <laughs> And some of our patrons did get this. I was telling Kuana that uh, we ordered some off the website and sent it to our donors. So mm-hmm. maybe we'll do some more of these, you know, yeah, and mahalo, uh, support. Mahalo, mahalo. And it's cool because uh, Kanaya's on here, Nakamura, Imua. Oh, Kanaya's on here? Yeah. I mean, he's the graphic designer. So oh, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. These yeah. guys are all in the Hawaii music business, but they're doing completely different stuff. Yeah, Kana- <laughs> Kanaya, we had to kind of put a task manager on him a little bit because, <laughs> because he hadn't done anything the whole year oh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. so when we said hey we here we go on project we'll do this and like, oh so how when <laughs> <laughs> like hello everything is still the same yeah 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 well I, I learned from I always tell this story about um, so for a time for fun I was playing with Kanaya and uh, our friend Yoane who passed away last year and uh, Brian Gonzalez so we were doing a little for something and I learned real fast that um, I cannot keep up with the Hawaiian hula guys like because we would play these parties and with hula dancers and people would come up and request songs I'm like oh my god I'm so far behind on everything you know but uh, so I give you guys a lot of credit you know um, Hawaiian Hawaiian musicians particularly the ones that know a lot of hula stuff yeah um you got to give them credit because they've learned a particular style of playing and singing mm-hmm. where they can pick up really, really yeah. fast. Because mm-hmm. your mind got to be like that when it comes to hula. And so you, they're, they're like musical chameleons, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You can throw them in an environment and they adapt. Yeah, And it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be Hawaiian. It could be... Um, Hawaiian contemporary it can be contemporary mm-hmm. we can do the, we can do almost almost anything but it's it's so funny that when you just take the contemporary ones and pull them out of their norm and bring them on our side and it kind of see they, they you would think that they can but they can't yeah. yeah so we used to do just you know round robins which is just go in a circle everybody sing a song and next and then next and next and then when we come to them we, they go like this <laughs> <laughs> pass, pass, yeah. pass. I think that yeah. next one. Yeah. 
Well, everybody usually does the same. It's always yeah, the yeah, same. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the same songs every time. Well, it's almost it's almost uh, juice for you because you write all your own music, so you could just. I mean, whatever happens, you ready? Because yeah, there's cheat. always some song that no one's heard before. I, that you I definitely <laughs> cheat. I always cheat. There's um when I. When I used to get together with a lot of my um, peers and we would sit down and especially around the Merry Monarch time mm-hmm. on the Friday nights is a Kahiko night. So right, all yeah. the musicians is off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, I used to host a party at my house and everybody, all the musicians would come up the house, bring bring the coolers and we wow. grill and then we, I get the big TV outside and we all act like we judges, like we know what we <laughs> do. And we judging. But then moreover, we play music too, yeah? Oh, mm. yeah. And then we used to play these games where we do round robins, but gotta be songs that start with the word Auhea, gotta be songs that start with the See? word Kaulana, oh oh only that kind of song. Man. So you only can sing one song with those kind of words. If the song does start like that, you cannot use the word. So I will get every single word. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to come, you know, sometimes you, hmm. you, you, as a thing goes, yeah. And somebody sing you singing one song and he next and then I next. I was like, okay, I get one song. And then he would end up taking your song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, ah, shucks, what the hell? I'm going <laughs> to sing next. So that used to ha- happen to me often. And I just, because I compose, I can write one. I just write in my head. Oh my <laughs> so I sing one man. song and they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never I've never heard, heard that, that yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrote Gino. that in your brain. I go, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. One listen. It works. <laughs> Next. It, it, it works for well, the rules. Uh, it, not to get into the minutiae of it too much, but what is it that you think makes the the people who play that Hawaiian music? What what gives you that spark that you can do that? Because I, I, I know what you're talking about. And I, it's hard to explain to people, you know, because people who are watching the podcast right now. They may sit there and go, wait, what does he mean? You know what I mean? As a, as a, like for you as a contemporary going into the Hawaiian music, yeah. the Hawaiian music guys go, okay, bang, 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 bang. They just jump in and they just play. And it's the same thing sort of watching, well, I don't know if it's the same, but it seems to be well, the same thing like watching people do hula. Like I remember watching Hapa, uh, Hapa play Ka'uluvihe uh, Okekai and then they, and people just randomly sort of stand up and start dancing. And they're not all dancing the same style, but they're all dancing the same hula. And I assume that's kind of what the music is like where you guys sort of jump in and you know where you're at but i mean what is that thing that helps you guys get there is it just the amount of times you've played these songs or the amount of times that you've played together you want to take this one uh well i was gonna say you know the chord structure is is easy right it's usually three chord structures and things like that but as as a contemporary guy i mean just to slide in and fit in it's all those years that he was sitting watching his aunties and mm-hmm. uncles and figuring it out without, without, thinking, inch- knowing what yeah, it was. Like, yeah, you know, automatic. He, all that stuff. It, that's that's where, I think, um, a guy like me who's more on the contemporary side has a hard time because I, I can't. You can't fake it. You either know it or you, you don't. You know the styles mm-hmm. and the the harmonies and all that. And if if you try they're gonna know like oh this is just john trying to do it you know like <laughs> you cannot fake it, it it's yeah, it's yeah. either you you are part of that growing up and you know it or, or not yeah right uh, yeah so that that's that would be my answer i don't know what you'd say um let's go with your answer <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because uh, believe me, I've tried, and uh, I just feel like I'm just Johnny Masato trying to imitate a guy who can play mm. Hawaiian stuff. Really uh, well. You know, I I think if I could take a page of from what he said, it is the time you invest into your art, mm-hmm. which yeah. puts you in a position over time where you can. You know, like it's like watching old Chinese films, and the grand there's the grandmaster, but he's the grandmaster for a reason. Mm-hmm. He's been doing that and culturing his art for the last fifty, sixty years. I've been doing this from literally small kid, literally mm-hmm. small kid, mm-hmm. and um, I've cultured it. I've had people in my family that helped me culture it, and then along the way, I just blessed to have met people that came into my life that all added to that mm. so you know do you think that if you didn't have all the people adding to it adding to it do you think that you would not be playing today like you'll just get kind of tired or you wouldn't be um, in the realm of entertainment anymore you'd just be in a backyard playing music i think i i definitely wouldn't be doing as much as what i'm doing today mm-hmm. i'd probably still be doing music some form of it yeah um just not on a grand scale but um if i take out all the people that i met outside of my family and just keep it within the family i I would have been out still playing music Mm. that's for sure because i was already doing that did you ever at one point just take a break from music yeah I never did, you know. Really? Just last year. <laughs> oh, only last a year. Forced break. A forced, a forced break. break. <laughs> but well, you, meaning that I know you weren't performing, but did you not even pick up the guitar or sing? Hard, you know. You tell yourself, ah, I need a break. I gotta stop singing. I'm gonna. But you travel with an instrument. Mm-hmm. I tell mm-hmm. myself, I'm gonna take a break. I'm gonna go Molokai this weekend, and I bring my ukulele. Mm. Or I go home and I don't want to play music, but I bring home a guitar. <laughs> you know, because on my breaks, I never. A lot of the time, I get inspired for right stuff. Mm. So I need one instrument handy. Yeah, I yeah. always saw music is in the DNA. It's a, it go, follows you wherever you go, even though you know, like play, it follows you, and it, it's just that second. Um, you just it's just a part of you, yeah. Yeah. Well, with this new generation that's sort of coming up, uh, I was curious too. I mean, do you see that same sort of connectedness to the culture and to the music that you had when you were a small kid? Time because we don't. Uh, I I don't go to many parties where it's kids go in the room. We gonna play music uh, no outside. More, yeah. You know so what I mean? Like, yeah. Not, not like so I mean, is there something that's is there something that's you know missed? Is there something CPS missed? is why. <laughs> well, not only that, the kids go in the room. They're playing Fortnite. They're not yeah. Yeah. Music. yeah, you gotta yeah. watch them now. Yeah, you gotta watch yeah, them. exactly. Yeah. But how do you? Uh, I'm wondering how do you bridge that gap because I, there's, I, a, there's such a there's such an obvious connectedness you have. Well, do you, do you think there is a a good contingent of young artists that yeah. are staying true to the? Yes, there is. Right? Yeah. Um, and then for your question, there's definitely a connection with the generation of musicians today, mm-hmm. um, particularly with the Hawaiian musicians. Yeah? The, the new generation of Hawaiian musicians out today, they're really good. They can sing, they, they can play, they have beautiful voices, but get on disconnect. Mm-hmm. The disconnect is the foundation. Yeah. Um, if you and if you compare, I'm just going to use myself as an example. I don't want to hold myself. Uh, 
praise myself in any way. It's just how I learned. And a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but a good handful of musicians in and around my age group and before learned the same way. It's just, it just was the style. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you was lucky to have come from a really, really loving family that just literally went share everything for you, then lucky. Mm-hmm. And if you came from the family like mine where you had to learn the hard way, it's still a blessing. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you literally had that embedded to you, in, within you, from small kid time. Mm-hmm. And that seeds of foundation that the, your kupuno elite um, place into you grew and flourished as you got older. The, the new generation today, they know more that. How they will learn Hawaiian music? They will listen to us. Mm-hmm. They went on the internet. Mm-hmm. They went to school. Mm-hmm. They learned it in in high school. The class and they, there's yeah, classes class yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. yeah. That's how they learn. So they it's not bad though. It's not a bad thing at all. They still sing wonderful. They play amazingly. But what the disconnect is is if you go out and watch a musician, any kind of musician, Hawaiian singer, who in, who was brought up that, that old way, those are the ones that are most likely to make you want to pop a beer open. <laughs> because, you know, the music gets soul. The music gets mm. foundation. The, mm. the music gets purpose. Those kind of musicians, they, if you watch them, they never sing the same song the they never way. sing a song the, the same way every yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, always different. There's always Be- a shading. Yeah, or because yeah. it's the emotion. Yeah, mm. every emotion different. Today they sing like this. Tomorrow they sing like that. Mm. Um, whereas the generation today, they're still finding that purpose, mm. that that soul that they need to embed into themselves more over into the music. Yeah, that's the difference. And for me, looking to them is what I think. Mm-hmm. Because every other musician I know that I aspired to went learn the same way I did. Mm. Yeah. Had the same hard hardship, musical hardship <laughs> <laughs> as I did. But they ended up they turned out led Kaapano, they all learned the same way. They all learned by ear. You ask him the chord, you go, ah Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even uh, uh we had Bobby Madero come in, uh and he kinda said the same thing. It was, you know, learning slacky. It was they were doing this, and so trying to learn was like, okay, wait, I gotta sound all this stuff out. But the other, you know, the other thing about it was, you know, the the rise in Japan of hula. Um, in talking to some of the the people who perform there, who who are you know active members in that that market, I guess so to speak. You know, one of the things that they talk about, and one of the things that fascinated me, was you know you have a concert with Amy Hanayali Gilliam. Um, I, I was talking to Amy one time about it and she said it's really strange when you first start because you go to a gig and you play the same song five different times and you cannot shade you cannot do those kind of things because they want to hear it exactly the same way and I'm, I'm wondering if you know for I mean are the, are the Japanese to a certain extent missing out because they're they're like you were saying they're learning it in a rote way and and for them the the draw is you know, Kuana Torres Kahele is singing the song for us. He's singing the mele, and we're dancing to his mele. But 
it isn't that thing. Like you cannot, you cannot change your voice. You cannot say, okay, I'm going, you know, I'm going to do this different. There's no improvising. Yeah, there's no real improvising. So I was just curious about that from you. Um, you know, for the for the Japanese halals, they it all starts with the foundation, which is the kumu. Whoever's yeah. the kumu, yeah. you know, uh, Japan they have. In Hawaii, we say we if we we lucky if we could say we get a few hundred halal throughout the islands mm-hmm. collectively. Mm-hmm. Japan, they get them about a thousand, literally. And um, it is a it's a legalized business in mm-hmm. Japan hula. Mm-hmm. So you, you know if you if you think about it, in one hand you get actual factual halal that when. Uniki that when go through the process of mm-hmm. graduation through a Hawaii-based kumu yeah. and halal that have opened halal in Japan. So those are the those those type of halal in Japan. We have room to when we, when we sing for them, where we can actually oh. do a little bit of not I don't want to say improv, yeah. but style. Yeah, when yeah, we yeah, sing. Yeah. Okay, for the okay. most part, we follow the same counts and yeah. tempos as what whatever album they're yeah. um, dancing to, but we can s- do a little bit embellishment here and there, mm-hmm. instrumentally or vocally that won't compromise the hula. Right. And then in the other hand, you get the overnight kind, kumu hula halau that their kumu is Google and Yahoo, mm-hmm. that kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they went take one, two, three workshops for me, or two, two, three workshops for Sunny Ching, and then they go back to Japan and make halal. Wow. They get plenty like that. You really? Know? Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, there's so much halal in Japan. How are you supposed to police that? And yeah. who is going to police that? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. No can. So, <clears throat> in. Um, you probably can see it in their performance. Totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. Then, then you can break them from and there. Right? When, we, when I do shows, because I, I go to Japan every month for my school because I have school mm-hmm. and then uh, every so often I'll have a concert here and there and so when I sing for the halals that participate it, you're looking at it maybe anywhere between 12 to 14 halal that participate in yeah. the show yeah. uh, I'm lucky because a majority of that is cho- songs that they've chosen either from my solo projects or from Napolopolis mm-hmm. projects and so it's easy for me. All I gotta do is, for the most part, keep to whatever we re- the version yeah, that yeah. we recorded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there are a good handful of those halal that participate in the show that are so wired into the album. I mean, if there's a wind that was in the beginning, they need the wind. <laughs> If yeah, there's an ipu, right, yeah. right. they need that ipu. Yeah. If there's a piano, they need that piano, that intro. And a lot of times, I do the show solo. So when I keep trying to put the counts in, and I'm playing the and then just not getting it because mm. no more the piano intro. And I go, I usually, you know, I'm kind of a dick. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, but I think I've earned it. But, um, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, they look at me. Piano, I go, do you see a piano? <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> so sometimes I you know, I just go da 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 with my mouth. Yeah. And then they get them. No and way. I, <laughs> I gotta hum them and then they get them. I was like, oh my god. So those kind of how you cannot just say vamp. Yeah. Just yeah, just yeah, come yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Whereas the other halal who have a foundation, mm. you can just say, it. you can tell them one song. They tell you one song and you just vamp them and they get them. They can pick them up. Oh, that's mm. So, out of all the outside halals in the world, is the majority of them all in Japan? That's the majority. If you had to literally capita, count, capita. Yeah. Why? Why? Why Japan? You know, it, it's within all of our lifetimes when hula when take foot in Japan. It's only been about almost for almost fifty years. Since um, and it started with a little hotel. I can't, I know the story, but I forget the hotel name. Um, there was a hotel that opened up in Japan, and they were offering um, Waikiki type hula show. Okay. Mm. Just so happened that the three women that was in that show were taking hula from were here in Hawaii were taking hula from Mikey Ayu. Oh. Yeah. So they had. An they had, actual yeah, they had a lineage yeah. Foundation. Right, yeah, foundation, so they went up there and they were dancing, and it was it was popular because Japan never have anything like it. Mm. They could go to this hotel and experience Hawaii without having to come to Hawaii. So it took off, and eventually, those three women um, had opened their own halal, and it started from there. Oh, okay. And it oh. started to grow, and over the course of the years, um, it slowly slowly started and once we hit early 90s that's when the boom that's that was the boom mm. for hula and then mid 90s that music how yeah. music started mm. for come oh yeah and yeah. then to, here we are in 2021 or even just from several years ago it's a absolute craze up there it never lost momentum. It keeps going up. Hula mm -hmm. um, and music. But one thing that I've known, I've been, go my first time to Japan was 89 as a dancer. Mm -hmm. But um, I've steadily gone to Japan from that time. I missed a year or two here, here and there. But um, I've been going long enough to see the evolution of hula and music in Japan. And where they are at now they're in a better much better place than they were back in the 90s mm. um it's very it's become an actual thing up there it gives a lot of japanese people identity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um a sense of purpose through culture that not necessarily is their own but it it, it in the aloha yeah? mm -hmm. in the hula and the music really does something for them, you know, it touches them. Mm -hmm. And with the music, you can, especially the music, oh, they absolutely, there's a whole, you know, Nagoya is the biggest Hawaiian musical city mm. in all of, all the musicians and is over there. When wow. you're talking Hawaiian music now, you're talking like traditional Hawaiian music yeah. too, because pre that, they're all into like Kalapana and stuff was like huge, right? But now they're listening to still Hawaiian yet, still music. Still yet, still yet, going good handful. But you, you know what I've noticed? That is uh usually it's very segmented in that like um when i traveled with herb we did some hula shows prior so we did a hula tour with a hula group and then we did a ukulele tour after the people who came to see the hula stuff had no idea who herb was okay. as an ukulele artist mm. they, so they didn't care that he was part of the the foursome that we played hula stuff uh -huh. 
But then when we went off and we did our ukulele thing, then the ukulele people would show up and... So I have a feeling that the people who like Kalapana are not necessarily the same people that would came to, to do the hula stuff. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit niche like that mm. up there. But so it's really, uh, for me, it's just kind of cool because, you know, like yourself, Tehani, people that I know are actually mm-hmm. teaching up there and doing it, you know, the right way, the uniki and make sure that that foundation is set. So that part is kind of cool. Yeah, so we, we, I go up there and I teach and, you know, it'll be people like myself and, and a lot of my peers that if we want them to grow in the right way, then we should be going up there and teaching mm, yeah, and doing yeah. them the right way um, and helping them along. And it's getting better, you know. Every so often I do a show or a tour and less, I notice less and less do I deal with, the, the for lack of a better word, the krakaka in halal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, where they're with it, they get them. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I can just play and I don't have to worry about so much about too much about tempo or whatever and they, they get them. Mm-hmm. And that's always refreshing when I when I deal with it's that evolving. kind of halal. Yeah, it's yeah. evolving. It tells me that they're doing better mm-hmm. and they're starting to get it. So yeah. next you just I gotta have just the musicians. Next you just gotta have the musicians, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you get up there and get all these bands. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just blessed that um, it doesn't matter what segment of or crowd of Japanese people I'm with, whether it's ukulele or contemporary mm-hmm. or hula. I, they know me and everyone. Yeah, so. yeah well, I love Luana that. does I love transcend that. quite. <laughs> yeah, quite this well is true. There, there's a few, yeah, people. I think it's that just do. awesome that another culture would embrace this culture so much. Mm. You know? Yeah, I don't know if there's any other cultures in the world that would embrace us well, as I, much. If there was anybody after Japan, it would be Mexico. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Mexico. Oh, you know, the only difference between Japan and Mexico is money. Mm. But Mexico isn't. Uh, um, rich country yeah well you know what's interesting when you say that see i look at it as japan's culture is very opposite hawaiian culture in my mind right they're very like regimented and Mm -hmm. um and they don't let loose a lot so i think the hawaiian hula and the culture is you know it's very carefree and fun so that's attractive right but mexican culture i'd say is very similar to hawaiian culture in that there's you know, family they, they like to fa- yeah, family yeah, and playing yeah, music, music and enjoying, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Corona so. beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tequila. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting that that would be the second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so um, there was a census, a hula census done in Mexico. And that was 2009, 2010, I think, around. At that time, they had 800 halal. What? In, in Mexico. In Mexico. Mm. Yeah, I have heard I've that. I've never yeah. ever heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't hear anything because, like I said, they, I don't want to say poor, but they just they they don't have the funds where they can bring in everybody like Japan. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And create all this opportunity like Japan. So, really, there's only a humble amount of kumu that travel to Mexico to go over there and teach. Oftentimes, depends some some. Kumu will go in the mainland and create workshops around the border. Mm. And then they will come in, take the workshop, and then they go back mm. and teach. And I, I've done both. I've done on our side where they, they cross the border for country to workshop, and I've gone to Mexico uh-huh. to teach before. That's interesting, too, because like you were saying, that parallel, right? Because yeah. even in Hawaii, I mean, Hulu was not this like big 
thing. It was a cultural thing. It was never meant to be something that you made money off of. It was something that you shared, you know, you share your culture and you share storytelling people and story, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's interesting that that Mexico would would have that tie in because they again they they too were not it's not money based. It's based on the love of the art form and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of cool. Wow. Um, so Kawana, I, I do want to get to this the house place. Yeah, sure. Place. But we're gonna take a break. But before that, we have the question that we ask oh, everybody yeah. who comes on the show. <laughs> if if you were stranded on a desert island and you could only take <clears throat> three albums with you to listen to for the rest of your days, what would those three albums be? Hoyo Hana. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, which which one's quick? Huh? Magic Island. Okay, alright, alright. Hoyo Hana. Janoke Ave Hula Volume One. Okay. And by the way, Dennis Pavao has a pretty good track record on our show. Yeah, he does actually. He comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um Kawaii Cockett. Ah um, oh. Hula Hula Hula, that's that one. Alright. Oh that's a yeah, so good he 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 watched the podcast, that's why. Oh, he so he knew this was coming. No, no, I, I missed this part. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah. Kind of he was ready. No, I, I think those well he done, just man. knows. <laughs> 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 I'm not a fact. I'm having my pocket. notations. <laughs> okay. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. I want to come back and talk about the Nihau okay. show base. So uh, we'll say bye to our YouTube channel right now. And uh, we'll see you later, guys. And for our patrons, be back in just a second. Laters. <laughs> 